0: We have made a commitment not to do things by rote, not to do things because it's what we do, but to do that which is meaningful and what we believe to be right before God. Uh, That's why we're so careful about this issue of sending. Uh, It becomes a very important, very key thing. And... uh, as I mentioned to you before, after the last visit to or the Zim conference, how key some of the inputs were that we carried, as well as the significance of prayer. Remember the, uh, the protection that we had in that very close shave that we had with uh, another vehicle, and uh, about the flow of God's word uh, that came not only prior to going, but during the time there from the uh, different, I think it was governmental prayer, and, uh, the different words that came forth, very, very key, very important. So, uh, we, we, we do what we believe, and that's a very, very important thing, that we do what we believe. And... Uh, In this particular visit, we're doing what we believe in, that we're going to see primarily Julio. I don't have any plans uh, for meetings. There may be things that crop up, but that's not what we're going for. We're going primarily to express our love to him and uh, spend some time to pray with them and uh, to, to do the very thing that we say that we're primarily together out of a relational joining not of a, of a ministry function but because we're joined in, in a heart relationship and uh, part of that according to what we understand from the scripture is we visit particularly those that are sick and uh, that's what we're that's the plan at this time very important good let me remind you uh why we do things, and from time to time I like to keep it clear so it doesn't become just something that we do. We like you to be here for when we've agreed to be here together, which is at 10.25. If for any reason you're not here, you will sometimes find that we ask you to wait rather than just trickle in at the beginning. What's the reason for that? Is, there like, is it like a sort of punishment cell that you, you know, you have to... <clears throat> when, I, when I first started work uh, years ago, uh, what used to happen was that if you, you, you signed in and the office manager would take away the signing in book uh, a minute or two after the signing in time and then you had to go to, the, to his office in order to sign in. <laughs> it was a different you know, you couldn't do that now because, you know, your human rights or something or other would be effective. But, no, so, no. When we come together, very often God gives a particular direction or a particular emphasis for us to begin. We don't have warm-up songs, as it were, uh, but particular things. And we found that it's quite distracting to be able to engage in that uh, when people are coming in and finding their seats. I actually think my personal view is looking at me and listening to me is far more, uh, I don't know, exhilarating, attractive than anything else. But that didn't seem to be the case. And so we said, look, rather than have that distraction, let's so that we can come together at the agreed time and focus on, uh, focus on what we're actually here for and hear what God's got to say to us. Uh, let's make sure that uh, we don't distract ourselves. And so we ask people to just wait until a convenient moment. And it's important that we understand the reason that we do things. Yes? Not just that's what we do. Uh, and it's very important. Having said that, let me encourage you uh, to really seek to be with us for that time when we have agreed together to meet together. It's honouring to one another to be together at that time, to start at that point in time. Good. All right, so let's turn to the Word of God. And I want to talk to us this morning uh, for a little while that we could celebrate this great salvation that we've got. That we can actually remind ourselves of what it is that God's given us. Um, What's the value of that? Well, God seems to put a lot of value on doing that. Have you noticed how many times God repeats himself? and God refers to what he's done. God refers to uh, his dealings just time and time again, and it's important that we live in the reality and uh, in the refresh position. I'm going to give you a number of scriptures. I don't know, are we going to put them up? All right, actually, Anthony's going to put them up on the screen, so I'm not necessarily going to read them all, but I know some of you like to note them, and uh, that you'll have them there if, if you want. Ephesians 5 tells me this, that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know how much time you spend reflecting on that. That's a good thing to do. Christ loved me and gave himself for me. I probably need you to help me a little bit here. How would you phrase that? if you were saying that to somebody what would you say if you were trying to get through to somebody hey christ loved you and gave himself for you how would you say want to practice practice have a little go Find somebody who looks as though you could speak to them without biting your head off. If they look ferocious, turn away from them. How would you say that to them? What would you say Christ loved you and gave himself for you? Have a little practice. I might pick on. I might pick on uh, one or two people, just to see how you got on. I might just pick on one or two people, you know, just to see how you managed. Let him have a go to you. Let him have a go. How did this work? How did this work? Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Yeah. What did that communicate? Words. No nothing in it. It's like a fact. Very difficult to to really communicate, yeah, Christ loved you and gave himself for you. It's like saying You know, cornflakes are cheap at Tesco's. It's at that sort of level, you know. (laughs) How? Now, I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to pick on you. I never do that, do I? Do I, Jane? (laughs) I never do that. But who heard something that caused you to say, Yeah, oh, wow. One, two, three. Okay. Do you want a second try? Do you want a second try to say it in a way that it kind of communicates something? You may have to expand the words a little bit. You may have to adjust what you're saying in order to communicate. Want to try again? Because we only got three people that got anything much beyond cornflakes being cheap in Tesco's. Want to try again? If you want to try again, go like that to me so I can see. If you don't want to try again, (laughs) no... (laughs) Not like that, Claire. If you don't want to try again, just look at me in a bored and miserable way. Well done, Stephen. (laughs) Go on, one more try. See, what chance do I have if you're not having a go at it? You've got to have a go. Come on. Are you doing David? Dave? Getting anywhere? Huh? <laughs> Okay. Here's here's the difficulty. We're not just talking about communicating a fact. We're talking about communicating a life-changing revelation. Something that has come to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something that has has been brought to us, and it's like a, oh, wow. It's It's not limited to how much we can actually understand it. And here's the thing, that it produces a heart response. I love him because he first loved me. See, we're talking about something that we can try to describe it, we can try to communicate it, and from time to time, I think in a freshness of revelation, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually communicate something that, that communicates the life and the reality of it. But it's not just a fact. It's not just something that, that is at the level of a piece of information. This is the most life-changing, significant thing that we'll ever, ever know. That will ever come into the good of it. That Christ loved me and gave himself for me is something that we constantly look to come into a greater grasping and revelation and understanding of that Christ, the Son of the living God, loved me so much that he was prepared to give himself, that I could come into relationship with God himself, that I could know the presence of God, that I could know the power of God, that I could live in what it is to be free and to be forgiven. All those things that flow down from that revelation, including I love him because he first loved me. He just did something. Just opened up my heart. His love melted my heart. Gary. Can you hear him? You're a bit louder, Gary, as you were shouting at Millie. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be something that comes at a deeper level than the mind. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation, power of the Holy Spirit. He loves me, and I love Him because He first loved me. And that picture. Hey. You know the weight, and then the helium balloons. You know, I mean that. That's. That's a help, you know, that lifting. Yeah. Hmm. And we receive that supernatural power, that ability. That's basically what we talk about being saved. That's passing from death to life. That's being born again of the Spirit of God. It's actually receiving that life-changing revelation. It's god Switching the light on. It's God making us alive unto him. It's a work that God does. It's not a mental thing. It's not a kind of limited to the issue of the mind. The supernatural power of God. And we receive his forgiveness. Wow. (laughs) His forgiveness. Yeah. I call it the second most powerful force in the universe after the love of God itself the forgiveness that causes us to be able to walk clean to be holy because he's holy, the forgiveness that allows all that stuff and especially the rejection of his rule to be dealt with completely nothing can stand against the power of his forgiveness there's not one thing Jesus said, you know, Satan came for me, but he found nothing in me. And we can say the same with him. That he might come and he may accuse, but he can find nothing in me. He can find no land issue, Find no place. Because I'm holy, because he's holy. Because I've been forgiven with a forgiveness that as far as he's concerned, it never, ever even happened. Whatever it was. That's the nature of what we received. By the way, if something sort of happens and you feel you want to say whoopee or I agree or yes, brother. Hallelujah. Yes. Or hallelujah. Can, can we, could we do that today? Can we let our hair down? Well, one <laughs> or two of us. <laughs> Steve, the way you turned and looked at Gary then was very unkind. With all that you've got, And what he's lacked. (laughs) All right. Let your hair down. Come on, guys. Let's enjoy this. Yeah? Yeah. Look at me and smile. Well done. Look, some of us are made with an unfortunate face. I'm one of them. Some of you are made with nice smiley faces. So I'm not totally taken up by what's on the outside. I've told you before, people since I was a little kid have come up to me and said, what's the matter? What's the problem? (laughs) used to say to me when I was stockbroking, what's the problem? I can't help it. Yeah, of course, yeah. I can't help but just share
1: this illustration on this subject of what does it mean when one man gives his life up for another? My kids, for some reason, they want to see me cry sometimes. And they say, Dad, have you ever cried? When did we really see you cry? Well, I'll tell you, there was one time I really bawled. And it was at the end of watching the film, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, I was on the floor (laughs) crying like I've never cried before. And if you've seen the film, you'll know why. Because that is just a pale imitation of what we've got here. But it moved me, because here in the story of Saving Private Ryan, you've got the life of a man who was saved. And at the very end of the film, the closing dialogue, is just overcome with all that we've seen in the film. And he says, tell me that I've lived a good life because of those who died for him. And I, and I, I reflected on that. I thought, Anthony, I was bawling like I've never bawled before. Because of the revelation that came in a film of what it means for one man to give his life for another. How much more, how much Mm. more should the heart respond Mm. to the fact that the King of Kings gave his life Mm. for me?
0: Mm. Let's pray. Lord, we, we don't want to pass on from this without saying, will you grant us, please an unfolding revelation, a deeper understanding that we might know something of the height, depth, breadth of your love. Lord, that we might come into that place of appreciation by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may be able to live in the good of it for Jesus' sake. Mm. Forgiveness, freedom. Freedom that we're not controlled by others we're, we're free to be who we are, not controlled by the things that have been done to us or or the experiences that we've had, the circumstances that we've faced able to be released from that Do I feel, feel very saddened for that when you think of you see different stories and programs and Developments, and you say, yeah, you see, look what happened because of that family situation or that background or, or that, that circumstance that took place. We're talking about a freedom that has released us. Praise God. The Bible talks about being born again of an incorruptible seed. You know, I do not have inevitably to be merely the product of my biological background. I may have tendencies, but I'm not bound by it. There's a freedom, freedom that we have as we celebrate this salvation. It's worth celebrating, is it not? Is it not worth celebrating? Yeah. Be ready with another one. Claire, I'm relying on you. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> what about the fact that in this great salvation we receive his word do you remember that word we shared with you when I had this fall last year And dawn came and overnight she got that word this may have taken you by surprise but it's not surprised me says the Lord a word just a word into that situation that that underlined everything, that was the foundation for everything that he wanted to say and do during that period of time. And that's just one dramatic sort of insertion. But we are a people who are able to hear God. My sheep know my voice. We hear God. We hear the voice of the living God. Above All the clamor of other voices, good, bad, and indifferent, we're able to receive. And when we receive the Word of God, what happens? We receive faith. Aha! Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, by the way, you can't separate those two. They're absolutely linked together. That's our basis of faith. We actually hear God, His Word. What about provision? All of this, I'm just talking about celebrating salvation. He brings us into his family. He not only lifts the burden, but he pours into us all these good things, and we live in the good of that. His provision. About what I was telling you the time before last, that we were in, uh, in Harare, and uh, we discovered this situation. This was after Lawrence had... Uh, had his son nearly die with that burst appendix, and uh, he'd had to put his car in hock to one of these kind of not payload things but that kind of sharks you know and uh, they he's basically going to lose it and uh, we decided he wanted to help, and I forget the actual numbers now I think it was. Needed $1,300 or something like that. And I got out everything that I'd got. And I was $20 short. And then Jamie looked and he, in the back of his wallet he found $20. And I thought, hmm. You put it down to coincidence if you like. And you can live miserable. I like to put it down to the God. It's God looking after us. God's got our back. God's at work. Yeah, I prefer that much, much better <laughs> you know, uh, when I was uh, stockbroking, is a fairly lucrative business. You know, you don't get a lot of poor stockbrokers, and uh, I wasn't poor. And uh, one day. I heard God say, you've learned how to trust me in plenty, now I'd like you to trust me in lack. And immediately I thought, that's, a, that's just a p- silly thought, push that away. But lo and behold, a little while afterwards, uh, through circumstances, we hadn't really done anything wrong, in fact we'd done what was right, we suddenly found that we were in a situation where our outgoings were far more than our incomings and what we were going to do. And... Uh, but then the Lord had said, trust me in lack. And uh, it was a great concern. It was a great concern to Dawn. So he came up with this plan that we would have a little notebook and she would write down everything that we received that wasn't... I'm not talking about wages. I'm talking about things that were unexpected, things you couldn't have planned for, things that you got that you should have paid this amount for and you got it for that and we put down the difference we suddenly realised that trusting him in lack was very exciting that he could actually make provision in ways he couldn't even dream of you know and it, I think it, the final thing was she needed a coat or a jacket and she walked down some street I may have got the detail wrong but it's broadly right you know. and she saw one for 25 pence or something like that Fifty pence, God dear, spending all that money. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just the very thing she wanted. I think at that point we gave up with the book. Uh, I don't want you to think I kept her short. When we got married, (laughs) I gave her a pound a week for herself. And I've never reduced it. provision. Do you know what? I was sitting kind of enjoying this last week in in preparing for this, and God brought something back to my mind. He said, remember Tony Craven? Well, Tony Craven was a boy in my class at school. Now, I was at school over ten years ago, <laughs> and I remember and I saw it talking about God's provision and the fact that He can use us for acts of kindness. And uh, he was a very unpopular boy. In fact, he had a nickname. His nickname was Uri, uh, short for Uriah Heap. Who, those of you that understand, is it Dickens or Shakespeare or one of those? You know, yeah, yeah, Dickens, yeah. I'm ever so humble. You know. uh, he was not popular. But I was, uh, I was never, what do you call, flexible and um, athletic. That type of thing. So things in the gymnasium were a threat. And what came back to me was, do you remember the time when Tony Craven helped you to do, that? I think it was, I don't know, Gate Vault or something like that, something where you were on one of these bars. I always think the whole thing's ridiculous, but <laughs> one of these bars, and you dropped down to the next one. I thought, yeah, I remember that. Do you know what? And I remember nothing more about Tony Craven, other than against the nickname that he had and his unpopularity, God used him for a provision for me in a very funny sort of situation. And that uh, God can use us to be those who are those who bring the kind of. And then I'm, I'm no sooner sitting there thinking about that. And another name comes to me. Some of you remember from Tottenham, Chris Head. Do you remember Chris Head? Yeah. And when, we, when I first was uh, called to serve God, leave stockbroking, uh, he was also working with us and uh, I was 30, 34 then, so that's over 10 years, over 10 years ago as well, you know, and uh, uh, he said, uh, um, you can't swim, I said, no, everybody's tried, can't swim, he said, right, come with me in the lunch hour and I think went once or twice and he taught me to swim And I thought, hmm, provision of God? Yes, because he provides for us in ways beyond our imagination, more than what we can ask or even think. Things which you think, you know, in the gym, what the heck? Swimming, yes or no, what the heck? Because he loves us because he cares intimately for us, because he engages in the level of detail and the kind of provision that we think, oh, oh, you couldn't really ask God about that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Nothing that we can't ask him for, according to his will, according to his purpose. God's provision. Yeah. And we're not, I'm not just looking up. I sat there just thinking, thanking God for his provision. You know? And uh, things just flood into your mind and I think that that's probably a better thing than sitting worrying. Um, not a good thing to do. You end up losing your hair or going going grey before your time or something like I lost my hair before I was worrying, by the way. <laughs> but I think, yeah. What about again went back to last year? And Ken, bless his heart, who's been my friend for so many years, he'd say, I, I'll deal with the lawn. My lawn, last year, felt it had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> it has never been so luxuriously treated because when he takes on, when Ken takes on to do something, he does it properly. He goes the second mile, you know. And I thought, what about Door? Oh, James Dorman, we call him Door. Was it Christmas Day? We had a, a leak and he came. No, I'll come and fix it. I thought, hmm, I got a better service here than if I was a rich man with servants, you know. Uh, I'm a brother and I've got people that love me and I'm in the kingdom of God. And God provides and he does it in all sorts of wonderful And different ways. Yeah, I've got a great God. And his healing power. Wonderful. His presence. Oh yeah, I can look back on dramatic times. Driving the car with some of the guys some years ago. Presence of God came down, couldn't drive any longer. Pulled into a field. uh, Because that was the only place we could get off the road. Presence of God came down. We were there for ages just praising God in the field. But then what about the presence of God? Not so dramatic when we come together. What about that song that we started to sing this morning? Yeah? What was it again, Mark? Hallelujah? No, just that one we were singing. Be glorified. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoying the presence of God. Amen. What are we doing this morning? Celebrating salvation. 2 Timothy tells us we're saved and called to a holy life. Not because of what we've done, but for his own purpose. We're saved and called to a holy life. We're not just saved, we're called to his purpose. We're called to live as representatives of God himself, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that, called to live, but for his own purpose. Isn't that God? See, you understand, God sees where we are at now. Yeah? You understand that? You with me? He also sees where we're going to be. Oh, he sees where I'm at, but he sees where he's taking me. He sees where I'm at and accepts me where and how I am, but also sees where he's going to take me and the developments and the Christlikeness, and the power and the ability that he's going to place into me. He sees the changes that are going to take place because he looks beyond where we are at the present time, even though he accepts where we are at this moment, very moment real moment. 1 Corinthians 10 is divine power we receive to demolish strongholds. See, the Bible talks here about the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of this world. Not natural. We're not trying to overcome by doing cartwheels of the mind or mind over matter or any of those self-help type things. We're talking about the divine power that's able to demolish strongholds. I've always thought like this. I've always worried about that. I've always had this complex. I've always struggled with this acceptance. These things, which are strongholds and they built in to get a grasp and a grip, they're actually overcome. Divine power. The power of God, which is sufficient to cause anything, no matter how strong, no matter how long, no matter how deeply it's embedded in personality, can be changed because God's power is greater. Of course. Mm, Celebrate. Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Praise God. Do you know we believe in brainwashing? Did you know that? We believe in brainwashing? Oh. We believe that God takes our dirty little brains and gives them a wash and uses them for his purpose. Yeah? Oh transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, are we going to be controlled or are we going to be in control? The essence of what God provides for us in salvation. And it's established by his word. It's legally established. But it's worked out in the reality of our lives. It's not just here's a kind of set of things which would be nice to live to no, here is what he provides here is his promise this is what he gives to us and we have the ability by his power to live in the goodness of the whole law every single thing everything that he's promised he gives us the ability to live in that to be 1 Corinthians 9 free from control now look truth of the matter is many of us either in the past or even in the present can identify what it is to be controlled by either something or somebody or issues of the mind, whether it be kind of depression or uh, anxiety, those things which want to intrude upon us and take over and displace our peace and bring us into a different place than what God intended. 1 Corinthians 9 in this great salvation gives us the promise that we can be free from control. Ephesians 2 tells us that he loves us because he wants to. And after all he's God. Is't it good you've not got to make yourself more desirable for God to love you? How would you begin? Well, you could you know dress up or in some religions you wear special clothes. the priests wear the Ministers, whatever they call them, wear dog collars, you know? Dress up something on the outside. Wear a dress. You know, you could work on the outside. Learn to look holy. I'm not quite sure how to do that, but... (laughs) Well, we know that's not, there's not a lot of value in that. How can we make ourselves more desirable? Well, let's not spend too much time on that. Because A, pretty difficult. B, we don't need to bother anyway, because actually he loves us because he's decided to love us. You ever see, you mustn't do this. Do not do this. You ever look at anybody and think, how could anybody love them? How could God love them? <laughs> no accounting for taste that God chose them. Maybe He looked in a mirror and had the same thought. You know? Well, He decided to set His love upon you. He loves you because He wants to. Hmm? Is that good? He loves you because he wants to. I don't know why. If I was God, there might be a few of you that I might stretch to on a good day when I felt good about myself. God is not like that. God loves you because he wants to. Of course, The outcome of that is, I mean, when we fail, we feel that we've kind of disqualified being loved. It's a kind of natural response, oh, i have messed up now. We could end up thinking that if we fail, he doesn't love us. But his love is not based on our performance. His love is based on the fact that he chose to love us. That was his choice. He don't change his mind. He's not saying, oh, I don't don't feel like loving anybody today. It's Monday, not a good day for loving. Mm. Let's look at Isaiah 61. This is very good. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed anointed me to preach good news to the poor. See, understand this scripture is what He is about and what He actually empowers us to be about as well. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. We bear the same DNA. But let's for a moment look about what he's planning. To preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, a release from darkness for the prisoner, to the prisoners. Hmm. That's a fairly desperate bunch, isn't it? Let me, let me just check it again. Preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted freedom for captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. You would kind of say that was a group of, what's the polite way to say it? Underachievers? It's a messed up bunch. Yeah? You with me? The, these are people that are, you know, not quite qualifying, not quite making it. Hmm. We're talking here about The miracle that is 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 planned, is there, waiting to happen in any given situation. That's what he does. Goes on to talk in verse 7 about a double portion, and by the way, the double portion in their land. It's not about going to heaven, drinking a cup of milk and honey, and walking on streets of gold and all that silly nonsense. This is in their land. This is talking about a double portion. This is talking about humbly receiving the power to be the greater. This is talking about humbly being blessed, being placed in a position taken from all those things. Bind up the brokenhearted people that are damaged and hurting. Freedom for captives. We are just talking about that. Those who are captive to mindsets and attitudes and emotional mental problems and release from darkness with prisoners, those who are in that deep uh, depth of depression and anxiety to proclaim the Lord's favour the day of vengeance of our God mm. let's just go another verse or two Day of vengeance of our God. He, that's a good one. i have not got to worry about getting back at anybody. That is, that's his job. Vengeance is something I don't need to engage in. Yeah? I don't need to get back at. Because the day of vengeance of our God, he deals with that. Vengeance is mine, says the oh, Lord, I'll deal with that. You don't need to worry about that. That's another whole area of relief and release comfort to all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I wonder what you would choose, is one or other, crown of beauty or ashes. What do you want to go for? Come on, guys, what do you want? Choice. Yeah, of course, crown of beauty. I don't want ashes. can't have both, God's not wanting us to try and have both. He's actually saying, no, in place of these ashes, in place of this death, in place of this stuff that he's just described, I will give you a crown of beauty. I will give you something that is far, far better. And take away that We don't want to hang on to that. That's about that. That's past. That's done for. That's dealt with. We're celebrating that because salvation sets you free of that. You're no longer bound. You're no longer in prison. You're no longer under that depression. You're no longer in that place. Instead, I give you a crown of beauty, something which is very special, something which is very special from him, himself. Don't want both of them to carry around. The ashes, that's done for. Righteousness for guilt. Joy for mourning. See, so that's why there's great value in giving ourselves to God. As we celebrate this great salvation, our response, we love him because he first loved us, we give ourselves to him. We say, Lord, over to you. It's your way. It's what you want. It's what you think. It's your mind. It's your way. Have the lot. It might look to you like a mess. Give him the mess. I can't work it out. Give him, you can't work it out. Well, I've always been like this. Give him that always been like this. Well, you see, it was what happened. Give it to him. Because he takes the ashes and gives us in its place a crown of beauty. Something which is indescribably different, what could be more different, ashes, a crown of beauty, completely different, he came for those that are, as it were, I think the underachievers, the sick and the messed up and the abused, look guys, Two weeks ago, I talked to you about a certain sound, about a clear sound, about a definite sound. Basically, that comes from the fact that God has got something to say. Let's live in the reality that God has got something to say. What he's saying, the scriptures that we're looking at, is what he's got to say. That's what he's got to say, no matter what the situation is. No matter what the problems are, no matter what the complexes are, this is what he's got to say. I have provided, I have given unto you a crown of beauty in place of the ashes. Let's hear his voice. You know, there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of voices in this world. There's another voice in the spirit realm. But let's hear his voice which is what he's saying at this time. This is the certain sound. We have something to say. We have something to say in this world, in this time, in this age, in this situation. We have the word of the Lord. Let's not underestimate that we have something in God's word. Yes, all the other things are there, but we have something that God says and we need to come back time and time again because what God says actually matters. It really matters what he's got to say. Now, you may have been on the receiving end of what other people have said to you. What some parent said to you. Or some teacher said to you when you were at school. Or some workmate. And those things sometimes can be very, can go very deep and can be very painful. You'll never be any good. Or you're not able to do this. Can't expect change. All those things are voices. But let's come back to what God says, because that's what really matters. God loves you. We've already heard it this morning, forever, unconditionally. Of course, the devil wants to bring distractions. Let me quickly run through those things. Yeah, it's true, but because it really more applies to others than to you, well... We know what to do with that. The devil's a liar. He wants, and we need, to deal with self-disqualification and focus on the good that we want rather than the bad that we don't want. The bad that we don't want is, well, I know how I am. I know what I'm likely to respond. I know how I'm thinking. I know how these things affect me. Yeah, is that what you want? Or is there something that actually more positive that you want Let's focus on the good that we want. A freedom, a peace, a life, a place of releasing God where I'm not constantly running video replays in my mind about things that are not helpful. To focus on the good. Focusing on the good is what we've just been doing. About what we have as we celebrate this great salvation. Focus on the good that we want rather than the bad that we don't want. 2 Timothy 2 speaks of... Beware of this godless chatter. Oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. I'll always end up like this. Well, it's my family background. You know, we used to talk about... Do you remember this? We used to talk about that little six-inch demon that sits on your shoulder and talks into your ear all the time. All the negatives. All the... It's too hard. You can't do it. You've always been like this. This is the situation. Face up to it. It's real. It's always there. But what does God say? And what we've looked at this morning is what God says. Remember, words are containers for power, Proverbs 18. And we want to not be ending up uh, speaking the enemy's words. confidence is in God, not in our flesh, not in our feelings. So what do we need to do? Well, Romans 12 speaks about overcoming evil with good. To concentrate on the positive, on his provision, on what he gives, on what he does, on what he promises, and give thanks to God. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. Thoughts lead to words, lead to actions, can lead to customs or habits. We need to make sure that we're moving that thing in the right direction. See, just as a reminder, you know when Jesus was, when, when they were coming for him to crucify him, um, He's in a difficult situation, Luke 22. Where does he go? He goes to Gethsemane, as was his custom. That's what he did. He turned to pray. And after that, he's led by the Spirit in what he should do. Now, there's a place. James 5, 16 speaks about being real with each other. You know that we're brought up, how do you do? You ever stopped anybody and say, Could you sit down for half an hour and I'll tell you how I'm doing? <laughs> yeah? They'd run a mile. Well, we're brought up with that. That's our culture. They just say, so Fine. You know? Or if it's Sierra Leone, how body, do body? Fine. It's the same thing. You know? What about confessing to one another? So we're healed. but those times, in recent times, where God has led us to actually open up things amongst the leaders, or I can remember two or three times, and the release that flowed as a result of that. See, we're not talking about pretending. We're talking about being real, dealing with things, and then living in the good of what God says. Not trying to put up a front, oh, I'm okay, oh, hallelujah, Brother, praise the Lord and trust in God. Hallelujah. That religious sort of veneer, which is ridiculous. It's humble to say, I have a need. But God helps the humble. It's good to agree with God. Not confess, oh, you see, brother, I'm in this bondage. Uh, I'm in this problem. Uh, uh, I've always had this issue. I tend to think this way. But to declare the freedom that we have, as we trust God and receive what he's provided for us. And by the way, this doesn't happen by wishing. It's about doing what God gives us to do. It's also very good, as I've already spoken to you about this morning, to be giving thanks, to be testifying. Gratitude will, will, will nourish zeal and, and uh, sacrifice of praise of thanksgiving. Doing good, sharing with others, Hebrews 13, very, very key. So let's just conclude what I'm talking about, celebrating salvation, being aware of what the enemy would seek to steal from us. Ephesians 3, verses 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. What's that? That's about praying. This is about praying into what God has provided. The very things we've talked about this morning, to actually pray those... Just like it's exhibited here, Paul said, I pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches is actually turning to God and saying, Lord, I do want to know, beauty for ashes, I do want to know that you have indeed placed me as the head and not the tail. Lord, I do want to live in the celebration of every provision, the celebration of this great salvation. I do want to know. I pray that I might come into a greater understanding of the height and depth and breadth of this great love. That's the kind of stuff that we're told to pray into. You practice doing that. Could we we agree to practice that for this week? See what happens. See if it doesn't change some of the things that we'd like to see change. You see, this is not a love to be kept quiet and discreet, but it has effect. It's a passion. It becomes visible. It's seen, it's spoken of. It causes things to be different. Yeah, it's on the inside, but so powerful on the inside, it's forced out like a consuming fire. It results in a zeal that dares for much and does much until you get to the point where you constantly see when it speaks about the Lord himself. The love of God constrains me. Or the servants of God, the love of Christ, constrained me. So that we are functioning... In the love of God. We are in a position that we're actually doing things. we, We talk about from the heart. Doing things from that place of love. Celebrating this great salvation. Amen? Can we agree? Agree to celebrate this great salvation. Amen? Let's stand together. thank you Lord thank you Lord that Christ loved me and gave himself for me thank you Lord that you saved us and called us to a holy life that you not only see where we are but you see where we're going blessed be your holy name you've given us divine power to demolish strongholds we pray right now Lord that as different ones in this gathering, in this meeting, have identified strongholds in the mind, attitudes, thoughts, we ask now, Lord, for that divine power which demolishes strongholds, changes ways of thinking, delivers from depression, delivers from anxiety, causes us to have a crown of beauty rather than ashes, the old stuff transformed by the renewing of our minds. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided that we are free from control, that nobody needs to control us, that nothing internal needs to control us. You love us because you just wanted to. Oh, hallelujah. You love us because you wanted to. and We accept, Lord, that you have something very real to say. And we want to hear your voice above the clamor of all other voices. And therefore, Lord, we seek your face. We come into that place of seeking you. And we ask, Lord, now at this time that you would confirm your word with signs following. That you would move amongst us, Lord, and grant now samples, ministrations of your power. Outpourings of your grace. Lord, that issues that are there, mindsets... Issues that are causing us to be bowed down. Those things which represent ashes would be indeed dealt with and removed by the power of your grace. Lord, we declare that we choose the crown of beauty. We choose to believe what you say. We choose to believe this great salvation and to receive all that you provided and live in the good of that, not dwell in the negative the things the enemy would seek to put upon us in the name of Jesus.